we're delighted here to be joined by Robin Kennedale, who's a head of supporter services, and Zoe Shackleton, who's our HR manager and a quality lead for another episode of our Terrier Together Talks uh, in our ongoing series, looking into all of the works we do at the club that, that feed into Terriers Together. You can listen to, to past episodes that, that go into mental health, done a, a, an episode on LGBT. Um, so there's all sorts for, for supporters to get stuck into on our HT AFC Sounds page on Spotify and Apple Music. But if we start, if you two want to introduce yourselves, um, Robin, if we start with yourself, uh, if could you introduce yourself and what you do at the club? Hi, I'm Robin Kennedale and I'm Head of Supporter Services at the Football Club. Um, I've worked here for about 17 years now, um, after having started in the club shop and gradually working my way around the different departments. Uh, so currently I'm in the supporter services team, which is uh, comprises of myself, Rachel Taylor and club ambassador Andy Booth. And we are the conduit, if you like, between um, our fans and the club. We regularly speak to fans, whether that's individual supporters or our different fan groups, to find out the things that matter to them, find out about their matchday experience, um, how we can make things better, and feed that back to senior management and the board um, and try and put those things in place for people. And we shouldn't have got you to introduce yourself. Fans will know who you are over the, the course of the amount of time you've been here. You help supporters a lot in, in your department, so it's nice that the people will be aware of who you are, I think. Uh, Zoe, your name is, has been on a lot of stuff recently as, as our equality lead, but if you want to uh, introduce yourself as well. Yeah, so I'm Zoe Shackleton, HR Manager and Equality Lead. I've worked for the club for five years. Um, HR really covers everything staff-facing, apart from player recruitment. Um, I don't get involved in that. Um, I'm not sure you'd want me to be. Um, but um, non-football player-related um, staff recruitment, that, that's me. Um, staff training, employee well-being, benefits, rewards, just generally looking after people and uh, making sure they have a good experience with us. Um, that's the kind of stuff that, that I look after. And then as equality lead, um, I am the chair of our equality and safeguarding working group and help to direct the club through the various equality-related frameworks that we work on, whether that's... Um, the EFL Equality Code of Practice, the, the Premier League Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Standard, Disability Confident Leader, Menopause Friendly Employer Accreditation, um, Mindful Employer, um, all of those kind of things. Um, I think it's, it's fair to say that the work we do under Terriers Together and all the EDI work we do um, is obviously important to us um, and we tell supporters about it, but supporters awareness of, of what those exactly are other than the, the surface level things it's quite hard to explain which is why we wanted to to sit down and, and talk about them a little bit more um if we start with our, our working group zoe um we, we meet fortnightly all three of us luckily are a part of that as well do you want to just shed some light on on what that entails why we've got that together and, and the fact that that that's kind of the backbone of, of how all these awards and, and work comes out of yeah sure so um obviously we, we're going back kind of six years to being promoted to the Premier League um, when it became mandatory to work on the Premier League's equality framework. So at that point it was really quite obvious very quickly that we needed um, a steering group, a working party, whatever you want to call it. Um, so Robin and I have been part of that, that kind of um, steering group since day one, um, as have other people including David Threlfall Sykes and Anne Hoof. Um, obviously that group's expanded as the, as the work has progressed. Um, but we definitely need that working group um, to help us keep progressing, really, and, and to make sure that we're not stagnant, um, we come up with new ideas, 
Um, if it was left to just me, we'd run out of ideas very quickly as to how to keep the Terriers Together journey, adventure, I prefer to say, um, alive and, and vibrant, and we keep looking at new and different things. So yes, we meet fortnightly. Um, not every group member can attend every meeting, but that's okay. Um, people dip in and out as and when they can. Um, but it's really important that we meet that frequently. And I think that's um, really evident of how importantly we take this work. Um, it'd be quite easy to say, yeah, everybody's busy, let, let's move to monthly meetings or, or less frequently. But I think we'd really lose the traction and we wouldn't have made anywhere near as much progress as we have. Um, so yeah, there are always interesting meetings, we always have interesting debates, talk about lots of things, whether it's um, what's coming up on the Terriers Together calendar of activities or looking ahead to, you know, have we got um, an assessment coming up for the Premier League Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Standard or our conference that's coming up in October. There's always something on that Terriers Together EDI agenda that needs discussing and working through and it's definitely not one person's job it's a whole club commitment um, and, and it needs to be i think a really recent example of the sort of thing that come out of those is we've just put a, a video out for european day of languages and we did so last year as well and that's probably without those meetings without people talking and discussing ideas that's probably not a piece of content including two quite senior beating players that we wouldn't have done otherwise so it's it's actually nice to see that those come into fruition Robin, you've obviously been part of that journey since the start and we can publicly now say, and we have done on the website, that we've been awarded the Advanced Awards, which has been you know, years in the making. Could you just shed some light on what that journey's been like, how far the, the club's come in that amount of time? Because it's it's not something that once a club has been relegated from the Premier League, is quite often that they continue doing. That's it. And I suppose just to start by saying that I feel like at the club we are really well known for doing the right thing anyway and that's really all this work is about. It's not supposed to be seen as an extra task that we've all got to do and a tick box exercise that we need to make sure that we achieve and then once the work's done, then it's done because to be honest, work's never done when it comes to equality, diversity and inclusion. We've always got things that, that we can do um, and progress with. Um, but I, I just personally feel like the best thing about being part of, of the group as a staff member is that we all bring something different to it. So the fact that we're all represented, the different departments and different individuals within the club, we can bring our own lived experiences to what we're doing. Obviously, I feed in from the perspective of the supporters, but then we've got people from the academy who will feed in from that perspective. We've got safeguarding represented and we've got the ticket office. We obviously speak about any barriers that people might have in terms of ticketing, for example, disabled supporters. Um, so it's just really raised the profile of equality across the football club. And like you said, I think people are sometimes a little bit surprised to find out that we're, we're working towards this framework because it, it, it's challenging and it's a really robust process. and. People are kind of like, what, you do that and you don't have to. But that's just kind of who we are as, as a club. It's If it's the right thing to do, we'll do it, regardless of whether we have to or not. Yeah, so just to um, you know, echo what Robin said, um, we, we kind of have a mantra that we will do what's right and not what's easy. And I think the Premier League Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Standard is a case in point, because it's definitely not easy. And it's definitely not something that we have to do. But making that conscious choice when we got relegated back in 2019 to carry on that work. That's because it really kind of symbolises and embodies everything that we stand for. So if we had a framework or, or didn't, 
the work would be done anyway. Um, so it's a helpful tool, um, you know, to make what we would do naturally anyway even stronger. Um, and I think, um, you know, obviously working on to that advanced level. Um, when you when you sort of rewind to 2017 and we we're finding our feet and really not knowing what on earth we're doing and how how do we make this framework work for us. Um, maybe back then it, it did feel a bit more like a tick box, that something that we had to do, but it's definitely not that now. Um, and, you know, it's, it's lovely to be part of a whole community of, of football clubs that are working to this really important agenda, um, because it's the right thing to do. Um, football's got to be more than 22 people running around a pitch two or three times a week. Um, so that, that's the other side of football, isn't it? You know, we've got huge power as football clubs, huge brand, you know, wide audiences, and we've got to use that platform, in my opinion, for the greater good of societal change, educating people, breaking down barriers, making football a, a, a home for everybody. Um, we're not massively precious, whether you actually really like football, there's still a place for you in our club. Um, whether that's coming to a Women's Plus Network event where you might make new friends um, and actually learn something about the sport that you, you might not already know or you might be a, a member of the LGBTQ plus community looking for you know, like-minded people who, who do like football. Um, well, there's, there's a home for you here um, and that should be the same for everybody. Yeah, it's it's lovely to hear you both talk about that because you've obviously both been doing it for, for such a long time. <clears throat> Um, we've actually we've seen some results of this work in in the past few weeks, which is obviously not why we do it, but is a nice uh, byproduct of that. Um, if we start with yourself, Robin, I think that the the earliest of these wins was a, a family excellence award. It's not the the first time we've had that, but I think that's central to what you guys in support services are all about. Could you just explain what that process is, what a family excellence award is, what that actually means in real terms for for the club and for our supporters, more importantly? Yeah, so the Family Excellence Award is, is quite a big part of really what my team works towards. Um, and it's something that the EFL introduced about 15 years ago now. And really, again, like the Pledis, it's a framework that clubs work towards. It revolves around mystery fan um, visits, which each club gets twice per season. Um, but these fans are the, the real families, so it's a family group that will come. They will go through a match day just like any other supporter would, right from the very beginning of looking on the website to find out how they might buy a ticket. They'll go through the whole process of actually attending on the match day. They'll score the club on all the different touch points, so the little milestones that all add up to make the day what it is. They'll go to the shop, they'll go um, to the kiosks and, and find out what the, there is available for families there. Um, they'll take part in some activities and then obviously they'll go away and rate us one to ten on all those different milestones. And then at the end of the season, the scores add up to determine whether a club receives the Family Excellence Award or not. The ones that do the best will then be given a gold award standard, which was new for this season, uh, last season. And we were really delighted to be one of only 12 clubs that actually received that gold award. Um, and we've actually received the EFL Family Excellence Award every single season that we've been eligible for it, which not very many clubs have done, so it's, it's a really proud moment for us. Um, I think the reason why that framework is so important, there's a few different things for me. 
One is that it's a way for us to get some unedited feedback, um, and it is only one way. There's obviously other ways that we get that feedback from our supporters, m maybe through our All Together Town fan group or the chats that me and my team have with people or the survey that we send out once a season and after each game. Um, but it's a way for us to find out really what actually happens on a match day because we can't be in all areas at all times. Um, and some of the feedback that comes through that process is that some real, real magic moments that make you think, yeah, we need to make more of what we do there because people really like that and it really resonates with families. So I think that's a really, really good bit about the scheme. Um, it helps us to continuously improve what we're doing as well. I don't think we've ever been a club that rests on our laurels and we do try and do things a little bit differently. So to give an example, a few seasons ago, we've, we had a great family experience in what we designate as the family area, which was then the fantastic media up at here, now the Big Red. And that was great and, and families loved it, but it was a bit of a light bulb moment to think, not everybody can access that. There are families that sit all around the stadium. It's not just about the ones that sit in that area. So that was why we renovated the old retail party cabin into what we've now have um, as the community hub. And that's just opened up an area that people can go and congregate with the families. Dads, moms, sons, daughters are in there battling each other out on FIFA. And it's just creating a bit of a buzz around the match day and extending it beyond just the 90 minutes. Um, it's really good as well for us to benchmark ourselves against other football clubs because, being honest, there's not really very many new ideas. So we can pinch from other people and they can pinch from us. Thankfully, it's not quite as competitive off the pitch as it is on the pitch. Um, and people at other clubs in my position and in similar positions, we all speak to each other and we can share what's worked for us or what might not have worked at all and what to steer clear of. And that's really helpful for me um, and just I suppose another thing to mention with this is it gives recognition to staff that work really hard behind the scenes to put match days together and there is an awful lot of people that do do that work that people might not always see so to actually get an accolade at the end of the season to say you've achieved this and you've put a really really good experience in for people that's going to make them want to come back and support your club rather than any other club it gives a boost um, to the people involved. So I just think it's, it's a really helpful framework um, and one that, that we're really proud to be able to say that, that we've achieved again this last season and hopefully we will again this season. It's really important, isn't it? Because you know we know as well as anyone that results can't be guaranteed. We've had two very different previous seasons um, heading into this one. And regardless of what's happening on the field, like you say, Robin, it's, it's important that what we do off it is, is still at a good standard and, and supporters uh, feel welcome and, and want to come to the games because of, of what Huddersfield is, uh, Huddersfield Town is, what, what's available to us here. Um, but that mentality that's, that, that you put towards supporters, Robin, is shared by the mentality that we have internally towards our own staff, isn't it, Zoe? So things like the, the Menopause Friendly Awards, um, we've obviously got the, the Menopause Friendly status as an employer, but we were named the, the most supportive partner at their award ceremony recently. That's right, yes. Um, another proud moment in the club's history. Uh, I'm, I'm smiling, obviously. Uh, the listeners won't be able to see that, but um, <laughs> um, it, it does make me smile thinking there'll be people out there wondering what on earth a football club thinks it's doing, talking about the menopause. Um, and, and my point on that is, why not? Um, if we're not talking about the menopause, what else aren't we talking about? 
um, since we started talking about menopause, I, I can 100% say that only one person might have raised an eyebrow in the whole of the club, um, which is a very, very small number in the grand scheme of you know how many people we employ. Um, and I think that's really testament to how embedded our um, equality, diversity and inclusion work is, um, that when we said we really need to do some work in this space and really look more carefully at catering for women's specific health and wellbeing needs. Um, that, that didn't really come as a surprise to anybody. Um, so, but, you know, I had four years of an EDI journey up to that point where we said, no, this is really important to us. We need to do work in this space. And, you know, to be the very first football club to be um, a menopause-friendly accredited employer, again, I think speaks volumes about what Robin said earlier, you know, we like to do things differently, so why, why shouldn't Huddersfield Town be the first club to achieve that kind of standard? Why can't we be leaders? Well, we can. We've shown that we can. Um, and being the most supportive partner, the award that we won most recently, that really reflects that if we're doing something well, um, we're not precious about keeping it to ourselves. We want to share good practice because as much as we want our football environment to be as inclusive and welcoming and respectful as it can be, we want the sport as a whole to be all of those things. So if we can share best practice with other clubs and other organisations, then we will do that. Um, so being the most supportive partner, that, that is on the back of spending time with, yes, lots of other football clubs, but also organisations such as Adidas, um, Scottish Gymnastics, more local organisations, and, and talking to them about what we've done, why, what, what the context was, what, what were some of the challenges that we faced along the way, what the impact has been. Um, so it's, it's lovely to have all of that, that work recognised. Um, we don't do it for the awards. The awards are nice to have, not need to have, but it, it is really, really nice when you get that kind of external recognition and validation that, yeah, you are making a difference. And that's what we're here for. It's important to, to recognise as well that obviously most people look at Huddersfield Town and recognise us for the squad we have and the people that are playing football, but behind the scenes there's a number of, of women in strong advanced positions as well as throughout the entire hierarchy of the football club and, and for them to feel as, as welcome and as important as anyone else is is vital in, in what is a otherwise a quite male-orientated and, and dominated industry. Robin, you, you probably know about, as well as that as anyone. You've been here 17 years, you were saying. You must have seen an advance in that time of, of how it feels to be a, a female in, in this sort of environment. Yeah, I'd say that it has, although even from back then, I've never really been in the minority. We've always had um, some quite strong female individuals working at the football club in all different levels, whether that's our operations director, Anne, Sue Beaumont, our ticket office manager for an, a long time, Tracy Nelson in commercial, Karen in lotteries. We've got a lot of females that work for the football club. Um, I think where I've probably seen the innovations is from a personal perspective. Um, I've become a mum of two children in the time that I've worked here at the club. And some of the things that I can honestly say that I'm benefiting from now have come through being part of this working group or being on our EDI adventure. Um, for example, a maternity policy that wasn't in place when I started, um, benefiting from childcare vouchers, flexible hours, 
all of these things that is now, um, it's just the norm really, but wasn't at a time. So I think I've definitely seen advances over the 17 years, but I'm very lucky to say that I've always been surrounded by some really excellent female role models. No, I think um, just to pick up on what Robin was saying there, one of the things, again, that, that we, we talk about a lot, probably more internally than externally, is the real desire to not just focus on statistics. Um, statistics are important, but they kind of only tell you one side of a story. So, we, yeah, well, we, I could reel off lots of stats around um, male-to-female ratios of, of staff, supporters, and that kind of thing. But what's actually more important is the experience that people are having. Um, so, you know, it, it, I'd say it's fairly easy, it might not be, but let's assume it's fairly easy to just employ a lot more women. Right, well, well that would definitely shift the dial on representation, but what experience would we be giving those people? Um, so the experience wins over stats every single time, and that's really the, the kind of fundamental reason of becoming a menopause from the employer. We, we know we've got to look after women's health and wellbeing needs, otherwise they're not going to stay. They'll go work for another company who is looking after those things. So, And then you know, it becomes a perpetuation of existing stereotypes of football is only for men. Well, no, that's not what we're about in Huddersfield. It's, it's not just these issues as well. If we think wider afield, um, one of the you know, a couple of seasons ago, the the Terry's Together Inclusion Room was such a, a huge improvement to the stadium and, and meant so much to the people um, who that was targeted towards. Robin, you were central to that. I know you don't like getting credit for things, but that process, getting that out there and, and making that available to fans has, has been a, a real improvement, hasn't it? We're, we're very, very proud of the Inclusion Room. Um, it's got to the point now where we're two seasons on and it's regularly in use and we're able to actually see people coming to, to watch live games that would not have had the opportunity otherwise. Um, so the feedback that we get, whether that be um, through the visitors book that we've got in there or through our disability liaison officer, it's, it's heartwarming to read the fact that we're given these opportunities. And whether that's to, to young children with additional needs or whether it's to siblings that maybe not, are not able to come to games because of the restrictions on, on the space um, that, that they might have if they were in, in the stadium in another area. It's one of the things that we've done that I'm just so proud of. Um, and it's just yet another step in our Terry's Together journey. And there are things that we want to do to make it even better. We want to open that room up on a non-match day. We want to get community groups using it. And that's going to really be the next level when it comes to the inclusion room of how we can make sure that it's being used as much as it possibly can to have the impact that we want it to have. Just while I've got you, Robin, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a secondary point. It's not quite Terry's Together, but it does feed into what we are as a club wider than that. We've got the Miles for Marcus on, on Saturday. It's a, a charitable event. We've done so many of these things over the years. You've been organising them alongside Rachel and Boothy for, for a number of these years as well. Just runs into the, what that's all about while, we, while, we, while we've got you. Um, so we wanted to do something um, for Marcus Stewart ever since we heard about his diagnosis. And Walk for Pounds is an event that we've run for a number of years. We're actually on the brink of raising £250,000 through that event, and I'm confident that Miles for Marcus will take us through um, that threshold. 
but it just seemed perfect that we've got an event like this which is so well supported by our community. It was the perfect event to lend itself to helping out with the fight against motor neuron disease and it, unfortunately it is so topical at the minute. Um, so to be able to do this for Marcus and for his family and we're so grateful that he is going to be there um, with his family on Saturday as well. It's just wonderful. We've had such support. Um, we've got over 150 people taking part, um, and that's some doing an 18-mile walk, which is going to be pretty tricky around the hills of Huddersfield. But then what we've done this time is to try and accommodate and be as inclusive as we can. We've got a four-mile accessible route as well, which is obviously shorter. Um, and we've got 60 people that have signed up to do that of all different ages, between four and 74. Um, and just really looking forward to seeing everybody there on Saturday and for them to do their lap of honour before the game, before the game kicks off against Ipswich, it'll just be it's magical like it always is. So really, really looking forward to it. Thanks for anyone who's supported in any way. I think it's, it's one of those things, we, we talk about Terriers together being a, an internal mindset, but in fairness to our supporters, they've seen so many of these laps of honours and they've seen so many of these events, uh, whether it's an award or, or a charitable event, They'll get behind us in the supporters. It, it, it proves that you know their mentality and their support of these things that we do that are a bit more extracurricular, and not in line with what football clubs usually do, is is actually making an impression on them as well, which is is a credit to themselves and and uh, you know reflects well on our community in Huddersfield and, and slightly wider field than that. And so the last thing I'll, I'll ask the pair of you is, you know, we've we've got these awards, we've got these standards. Um, Robbie mentioned it earlier about not resting on your laurels, but. It doesn't mean that we've had this podcast episode, we've been able to pat ourselves on the back now. We, The work doesn't stop, the meetings don't stop, the, the things we're trying to do don't stop. Robin alluded to a few of the things we want to carry on doing. It, if anything, this just gives us the confidence and the you know, ability um, to push ourselves a bit more and do a bit more and, and, and hopefully make even more people aware of what we're about and, and feel welcome with Huddersfield Town and at Huddersfield Town matches. Yeah, I absolutely think so. Um, as I said earlier, the frameworks are, are helpful, um, but that's not the only reason that we're doing the work that we're doing. Ultimately, it is about giving something back to the communities and, and the people that we, we do serve. Um, and you know, the, the work can't ever stop because there'll always be somebody with, with some different needs that we've maybe not thought about or, or tried to accommodate. Um, really really proud and, and it is important to take that moment to be proud when you have achieved something and hit a milestone and to be the first EFL club not playing in the Premier League um, obviously EFL status but to achieve that advanced award of the Pledis while we're not a Premier League club and, and don't have to work to that high level um, I think really should speak volumes about just how seriously we take our Terriers Together work. Um, the strategy takes us up to 2030, um, but we're already working on another incarnation of that strategy because we have achieved some of the milestones that we thought might take us a little bit longer to achieve. So again, there's no point having a, a document that is already outdated, that, that's not going to help anybody. So it's that constant reinvigoration of, right, well, could we, we did that, but how could we do it even better? How can we make even more of a difference? Um, and I'm working on the EFL Equality Code of Practice as well. We have to do that. That is mandatory for our league. But we're not the kind of club that will just say, well, we'll work on the bronze level because that's, that's what we have to do. 
why not push ourselves to go for gold? Um, because we should always be striving to be at the, the top of our game, whether that's on the pitch or off it. Um, the menopause work won't stop, because um, you know women's health needs aren't, aren't just going to stop because we won a trophy. Um, we've, we've got to keep going. Um, we've got to walk the walk, if you like, and, and not just not just say that these things mean something to us. We, you've got to back up what you're saying with action, and I really feel that we do that every single day. And every single member of our staff knows how important this work is to us, and in their own way plays a massive part in you know where we've got to today. Perfect. I think if any supporters have, have listened to this conversation and want to find out more, then our website's the best place to go. Um, we've got a lot of events happening in the future. Our, our inclusion and empowerment conference is, is one thing that you know uh, you can still sign up for, still join us at the John Smith Stadium for. Um, our LGBTQ plus group, Proud About Town, we, we're doing plenty of things there. We've got a, a partnership with Hive at the moment on match days if you want to come along to those and, and make yourself a part of that. There's, there's so many things we're doing in this space. Um, in support service and everything. Robin's waving at me. Robin, what, what would you like to add? It was just to say that if anybody does have any ideas or suggestions or feedback, whether that's on the family experience, match day experience in general, or anything that we're doing with relation to Terriers Together, we'd really love to hear them. We don't know about things unless you tell us always. So just please drop us an email at supporterservices at hjfc.com um, and we can take some of those ideas and suggestions forward. Yeah, and, and not, not just ideas, uh, that's obviously important, but if you're seeing or hearing anything on a match day or at any other time that you don't consider to be appropriate or it, it, you know, it might be abusive language or it could be discriminatory behaviour, we really do encourage you to let us know because we can only act on, on things that we know about. Um, I know it can be a really difficult and um, courageous thing to do to report something, but you can do so really discreetly um, without being named um, and then we can take action because we don't want that kind of behaviour in our stadium at, at anything, any time really. Excellent. Thank you very much for that. That's why you're Head of Supporter Services and Equality Lead, because I wouldn't have thought to say any of that, so thank you very much. Uh, if you want to listen to any more of our episodes of, of Terry Together Talks or, or any of our audio output, then uh, HCFC Sounds on Spotify and Apple Music is your place to go, and I'm sure we'll talk to you all very soon.